0: KYW original podcasts.
1: This is KYW in depth. My name is Matt Leon. When you are tracking the health of the economy, there are a lot of indicators to look at. And one of the key ones is consumer sentiment. Now, I'm sure you've probably heard about it. But maybe you don't know what exactly it is. How does it work? How is it tracked? Why is it important? And what is it telling us about the American economy, especially the American economy right now in the middle of a pandemic? For this discussion, we reached out to Dr. Benjamin Liebman. He is a professor of economics at St. Joseph's University and talked all things consumer sentiment. Give a listen. Let's start at the beginning. What is consumer sentiment? How would you define it?
0: I should start by saying that there there are actually two metrics that are publicized heavily uh, regarding consumer sentiment. And the first one is Consumer Sentiment Index, and that is produced by the University of Michigan. The second one is the Consumer Confidence Index, and that's produced by the Conference Board. And they're basically both surveys of consumers about in general, how they feel about the economy and their own financial situation now and what they're seeing in the future. So they have slightly different questions. And the Consumer Confidence Index, I think, interviews more households. But basically, that's what they're, they're both trying to get at. How do the consumers feel about their own financial situation and how they feel about the overall economy now and, and in the future?
1: And these are basically just surveys We hear so much about political polls. This is basically the same thing, just focusing on what you said.
0: Exactly right. So, for example, the Consumer Sentiment Index from the University of Michigan. So they actually they both they both ask five different questions. So the Consumer Sentiment Index asks an individual. So uh, what's your personal financial situation now and and a year ago? And they'll also ask, "What's your personal financial situation one year from now?" So they kind of they're they're gauging how are you doing now, basically. How are you doing one year from now? And then they ask, "How do you think the economy is doing?" So what's the overall financial condition of the economy in the next 12 months? And then what do you think about the economy in the next five years? So they're they're trying to gauge now in the next year, and in, and over the next five years. And, and then the last question is, what's your attitude currently about buying major ho- household items? As you're probably aware, consumer spending is the biggest chunk of our economy, of, of GDP. It's 70% of the economy. So it really makes a huge difference on how, how consumers are, are feeling. And if they're feeling good, they're going to spend more. And then that's going to help the economy. And if they're feeling worried they're going to spend less, and depending on what you foresee over the next year, that could, or even over the next five years, that could impact your spending behavior now. If you, even if your, you know, your income is great now, if you're worried that you're going to lose your job over the next year, so you're going to you're going to rein in spending. And actually, we are doing a lot more saving now than than we were before. Even for you know people who haven't lost their jobs, they're still concerned, and that that's impacting their their consumer behavior.
1: So what are these numbers telling us right now overall? You talked about saving more, but are these flashing red lights on the dashboard that say we should be worried? Are they stronger than you would anticipate? Because I think we have the stock market that's telling us one story about the economy. We have unemployment telling us another story about the economy. What are these numbers telling us about the economy?
0: These numbers are telling us that things are not good they are not as bad as they were in the Great Recession, at least the, 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 the depths of the Great Recession. So the Consumer Confidence Index, which also has five questions. Two of them are asking basically about your own financial situation and currently and, and also the economy currently. And then the other and then the, the other three are asking about the future, how you feel about your own financial situation in the next six months, and how do you feel about the economy over the next six months, and how do you feel about your job outlooks in the next six months? So basically, the Consumer Confidence Index is basically two out of the five questions are the present situation, and the other 60%, the other three questions, are expectations over the next six months. So if you look at those numbers, and it's, it's an index. And the index was actually set in 1985 to equal 100. They set it then because the economy was neither great during that month that they established it in 1985, nor was it poor. It was sort of middle of the road. That was 100. So what they do, they ask these five questions, and then they keep track of how many people are saying things are getting better, how many people are saying things are getting worse, and how many people. Uh, say things are staying the same. And depending on how many people say, if more people are saying things are looking brighter in the future or looking brighter now, then the index will go up. If more people are saying things are kind of staying the same, then, then the index will stay around the same. If more people now, compared to last month, and this thing comes out monthly, say things are looking worse now and looking worse in the future, then the index will fall. In February of 2020, right before the the pandemic hit. So the index was 132.6. And then in March, it was down to 118.8, so around 119. And then by April, it had fallen all the way down to 85.7. Okay, so if you can kind of picture this, it's a drop basically within a couple months from 132 to 85 and change. And then it moved sideways in May. And then actually things started to To improve. So by the time you get to June, it was 98. So things were looking up. You know, I think it seemed like the economy was starting to open up more and people were looking more optimistic. And then I think the second wave started to hit, some businesses then having to close down um, and resume more social distancing. So then it's been falling since then from that June lift. It's fallen back from, from 98 back down to, uh, to 84, 85. It's about 85 right now. 84.8 was the last reading. So that's kind of what it was when it had fallen all the way down in, the, in April. So we're kind of back to where we were at the worst of times. But I should say that if you compare that to in 2009, the low point, it was in the 20s. So we, we certainly have fallen nowhere near there with regard to pessimism about the economy. Certainly, I think what's also helped things from falling down so much are the things that, uh, that Congress has done, the stimulus checks and the $600 weekly employment assistance, the payroll protection program. So these have helped consumers and they've also helped businesses to, I think, remain more optimistic. And now I think, well, besides the fact that there's been the the second wave here, there's also concern about the fact that in in July, that uh, $600 a week program lapsed at the end of the July. And then the Paycheck Protection Program, which is uh, loans to small businesses, that also closed up. And then also the the moratorium on evictions from federally backed housing, that also expired in late July. So you you have not only the second wave, but then you also have the uh, closing of these assistance programs that, you know, I think really helped stimulate the economy and kept things from getting much worse. And so, as you know, you know, we we have kind of a gridlock in Congress preventing an extension of some of these programs. So we'll have to see what will happen, you know, if there is some sort of solution in Congress so that things may lift, but there's concern about what's going to happen with school in the fall And so I think that's, again, also part of the reason that it dipped back down again from the increase that it experienced in June.
1: I'm genuinely surprised when you give us the context of the 20s, of it being in the 20s and the recession and where we are now. As bad as 2009 was, this feels, and maybe because it's a health crisis, this kind of just feels so all-encompassing. But given to your point that the federal government, to its credit, did all those programs, but now we're seeing those – fade away and at least in the short term it doesn't look like there's anything that's going to plug in are you concerned is there potential here for this to really fall off a cliff maybe not to the 20s but we could really see a dip because it seems to me once again as a novice on the outside looking in this is a type of thing that can unravel quickly
0: yeah and i think i think it's really this is really a health question you know the potential for you know if there's going to be a vaccine right or if there's going to just be you know a surge of new cases my understanding is is that is that you know the mortality rates have improved this time and treatment has improved compared to the first wave of cases And so I think that that's promising. But again, you have you had all those states where where, you know, you had record numbers of cases recently. So it just depends on what's going to progress with regard to those health outcomes and, of course, with regard to treatment. So, you know, if, if the health situation deteriorates, then it could fall off a cliff. But I, I think that if the health situation improves you know, then uh, even if we didn't get a vaccine, things would not have to fall off a cliff. And, and, and part of what's different about this time this situation and what was happening with the Great Recession in 2008 and 2009 is that there there were really more fundamental, problems with the economy. You had really an economy that was, was over-leveraged based on a totally you know, inflated housing market and layers of financial assets uh, being supported by that inflated housing bubble. And so once housing prices started to fall, and all of those financial assets that were layered on top of and based on the housing market also started to the crumble. Then you really you had a, a financial meltdown, and you don't have that kind of, I think, financial imbalance. You don't have a structural imbalance before all this happening. The economy was really was really strong, right? Unemployment was really low. Things had had been improving. Wages had been improving, right? One of the the kind of painful things about uh, uh, the economy as we climbed out of the depths of the Great Recession is is that is that real wages, you know, of uh, of you know median income households were not climbing despite the growth of the you know the improvement of the stock market. So m- before all this, you did actually have real wages of the Amer- average American families rising, and so so I think good things were happening in the American economy, and there wasn't any kind of I think. Underlying structural imbalance or problem, and I think that that's an important difference. You know, that means that if if there is good news on the on the health front here, we really could bounce back. Now, on the other hand, I, I should mention that the most recent consumer uh, sentiment index, that's the University of Michigan index, really uh, it, at least the people that they they surveyed. We're concerned not just about the, the, the present, but about five years out. You know? So again, some of those questions are about what's going to happen to the economy five years out. And I think with the consumer sentiment index, you know, that the majority of consumers don't expect a return to a period of uninterrupted growth over the next five years. So there's certainly, I think there's still a lot of clouds even that far out because you know, we, we, there's no obvious clear path to get back to what we had before which was you know an economy with incredibly low unemployment low and low inflation unless you had something like a vaccine i think when if, if something like that emerges then obviously i think we're going to see these indices both of them jump um, a lot but without that then you know i think it's going to be pretty restrained
1: when it comes to when policymakers are looking at economic numbers where do these the consumer sentiment consumer confidence are these near the top of the list of things that are taken into consideration when people consider how much help to give how dire is it should we continue the extra six hundred dollars a month or week stuff like that
0: yeah they are certainly taken strongly into account And, and and it's because consumer spending, you know, is the majority of our economy. Uh, you know, I, I'll still never forget right right after 9-11, you know, my memory serves me well. President George W. Bush said something like to the effect of basically, you know, be patriotic and go out and spend. It's not lost on policymakers that household spending is, is just the most important part of our, of our economy. There are certain things that you know, we're going to spend on either way, like, like food. Consumer spending is, is divided up into a, a few different groups. One is goods, and the other is services. Those are the two big categories. And if you look in the, in the so you, you know, things that you can put in a box, things that we buy, you know, tangible things, and that's divided up into durable goods and non durable goods. And the non durable goods, like food and clothing, we're going to buy either way right? But the durable goods are much more sensitive to macroeconomic trends and much more sensitive to consumer sentiment. Are you going to buy a car if you're you know, worried that you're going to lose your job? Probably not, unless you really need one. Now, of course, this is, this is when the Federal Reserve becomes really important, and they can come in and they can push interest rates really, really low. And so that, that has certainly helped. And also in terms of um, there's been, uh, you know, housing growth and and, and construction has been positive in no small part because of this kind of stimulus from the federal reserve, this expansionary monetary policy where they just make credit much cheaper and they make it, they make it cheaper to borrow money to buy a, you know, a house or a car or or a washing machine. So they're certainly playing um, an important role. Now our economy 70% 70% of it is consumption, but the biggest chunk of that 70% is services. The things that we spend on going to the doctor, right? Going to college, going to the movies, getting on a plane and going somewhere. So certainly some of those services have been horribly damaged. Think like about airline travel, you know, or going to going to movies. So when you have movies shutting down, when you have bars shutting down, restaurants shutting down. No one getting on airplanes. So that that part of our economy has was, you know, hit the worst. And um, so that's kind of I think what hangs in the balance most. The biggest part of our economy in general is that service sector part. That's the biggest part of personal consumption. And so that's I think what is most precarious and, and most vulnerable to what's gonna happen with a with, with virus.
1: And final question, just to circle back, we talked about the the paycheck protection, the stimulus checks, the the enhanced unemployment. Yeah. While while we have gridlock now, do you expect another round, if not all of that, some of that to eventually emerge? And how difficult could it be if it doesn't?
0: I do expect something is going to emerge because I think both sides – one stimulus that they're just they're arguing about the numbers. <laughs> and I think that the Democrats have a larger figure than the Republicans, but they both they both want to provide assistance. And and I think it's going to be very hard before the perhaps it's going to, you know, before the election, um because uh I think that, you know, each side doesn't want to maybe necessarily look like they're going to to give in and, and perhaps give the other side a, a victory, um, but I think after the election, um, you know, you, you're, you're, if something doesn't get passed before the election, I think something will go through after after the election. So either before or after, I, I do think uh, some kind of second round of protection. You may not get back to that six hundred dollars a week. Perhaps it could be. Um, $300 a week you may not get $1200 checks you you may get you know $1000 checks but I, I think that there's going to be some combination of those you know supports that that will emerge either sooner or later